Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledgen Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the mandator reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified. Mr. Mark Radledge, and tonight our favorite show, as it was last year, is Doom Patrol. Yes, Doom Patrol is back, and we're finally getting to talk about it. It's been out for a while now. Season 2 debuted uh, June 25th, and uh, we're just now getting to talk about it. We've been a little backlogged. That's all right, and of course, uh, Doom Patrol was brought to you by the good people at Berlanti Productions. Jeremy Carver Productions, DC Entertainment, and Warner Brothers Television Distribution. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no Metal Hammer of Doom this week, so Jesse Starcher uh, is back on the show. Uh, he loved Doom Patrol Season 1. I love Doom Patrol Season 1. I told Christian yesterday that Doom Patrol and Watchmen were probably two of my favorite shows from 2019, and that if he was going to watch television, he should watch both of those. Jesse Starcher, welcome back, baby. <laughs> Mark Radlich, in the words of Robot Man, what the fuck? Can we what talk? The fuck? About, can we talk <laughs> about that for just a moment? Actually, yeah, I'd love to. So, like, I get that between now, Doom Patrol season two uh, simultaneously played on DC Universe before DC Universe decided it was no longer going to do television shows. And it was just going to be the a DC version of Comicsology. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would want this, but that's the decision they made. And everything, and then see, you know, and that everything was basically going forward going to be through HBO Max, which you know, which made me happy because you know, one less streaming service. But um, I, I understand with being on a streaming service, they have a lot of freedom, but it felt to me a little Kevin Kleinish with the cursing this season. And if it, I've, I've mentioned the Kevin Klein thing before, where basically he was like, we're on HBO now, I can say fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, like, it, it's my kind of go-to euphemism for gratuitous cursing, for, just for the sake of cursing, because you have the platform to curse on. Yeah. And this whole season, especially with Robot Man, with Crazy Jane being in, you know, a, a, a close second... It, the cursing felt a little much. Like, oh, it, it was forced. Big yeah. time. I mean, I understand. Actually, I get to watching the first two or three episodes, and I, I love Cliff. I love Robot Man. I love that character, but I really was... It, it just felt like it was beating me down. It was grating on me. I, yeah. I was like, oh, I, I... I mean, there were a couple times... In the first season, especially, where when he laid that out there, it meant something. And then it's just like, you know, I'm sure we can probably draw a parallel to wrestling here. You do it so much and you do it so often, it loses its impact. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it loses its impact. It loses its charm 
uh, it loses its funniness. Uh, I mean, I was, I was still, there were still a couple instances in season two where he dropped it and I was like, oh, okay, but man, it really was like, okay, you don't have to go that far. I understand you're upset. I understand you don't like the situation you're in. You're, you're a, a robot, a brain inside a robot that can't feel anything. And, but just to keep cursing and cursing. Okay. You know, I'm not a big prude, uh, but you can't have, you can have the kids in the other room and they can still hear what's going on on the TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of limits what the way I could watch it. I had to watch it through my phone sometimes and have my headphones in. But uh, either way, you know, yeah, I, I definitely can understand where you're coming from there. I, I felt like this season and having just read Crawling from the Wreckage with Chris Sheen on Source Material Live, like I, I get that the show stays true to how Robot Man is presented in terms of, in a comic book, in terms of his relationship to Niles, where he's bitter mm-hmm. and frustrated and mm-hmm. resentful of Niles and kind of feels like, why couldn't you have just let me die? And he never quite gets to a place where he gets over that. And, like, despite the fact that he stays at the manor, you know, and he stays part of the Doom Patrol. Like, I know he stays for Crazy Jane. I know he kind of stays because he has nowhere else to go. What's he going to do? He's a, you know, I think I referred to him last night as, like, a suit of armor with a brain in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he's listless and he's lost and he's trying to find purpose and he finds purpose through sort of being J- Crazy Jane's caretaker. And this season, he's trying to find purpose through connecting with his daughter. But his interactions with Niles, I think up until Niles finally gives him business about it, is so caustic to the point where you had the time to be caustic last season when it was all new. By Mm. this point, you've either accepted your plight and you've accepted Niles for his role in it, or just fucking leave. You know, there was... Well, I can't remember which episode it was, second or third episode, somewhere early in the season here, where he left to go find his daughter and tried to make amends with her. And by the end of that episode, uh, I, I was like, okay, well, what's what's the next thing that he's going to do? And or in the next episode, he's back at the mansion. And I'm like, wait a second. Why are you even back here? Of course, he does say that he came back in order to uh, be with Jane because Jane was going back. But I was like, he hates Niles. What is Why even put yourself through that? If you resent him that much, if you're in that much of a bad situation that you don't want to be there in the first place and it just does nothing but aggravate you, leave. Um, But obviously we wouldn't be able to have a show with the rest of the Doom Patrol if that was the case. No, but I but this is my... I didn't like season two as much as season one. There's an episode I liked better than anything in, you know, in either season. It's my favorite thing ever. And Ooh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out which one it is. Uh, you, come on. Uh, you know, me being such a sex pervert, you gotta know it's Sex Patrol. <laughs> I love that episode. Oh my goodness. I was waiting for the rest of like the episodes. One episode it happened, but the you know the the screwing ghosts were going to keep popping up in the background or something, and it does that like once or twice. But oh my goodness, that episode was hilarious. And they bring in uh, the the sexperts, uh, the uh, what were they called? The sexmen. The sexmen, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a great episode. Oh man, go ahead. Anyway, continue. Does, um. But I don't like this season as much as I like season one. I don't think it's as nearly well written. No. I think some of the, I think some of the notes, are a continuation of what we already covered in season one and don't really go anywhere and are kind of beaten to death. You can't compete with Alan Tudyk as Mister Nobody. Was Mister Nobody? That's that's what his name was, right? Mm-hmm. From last from last season. Yeah. I mean, he took that show to the next level. And he was probably one of the best villains I've ever seen on the small screen, if you want to call it that. Um, I was amazed at his performance. So you're not even going to come close to that in season two. 
Uh, there is some threats. There's obviously, you know, you got the candle maker. You got some of this crazy stuff going on that um, the uh, uh, his daughter. Um, you oh have Red goodness. Jack who shows up in. Oh, Red Jack wreckage. for one. Yeah. For like, what is that? One or two episodes? Yeah. Man, I, I, we can. I, I know we're jumping all over the place. I don't know what your plan is for a synopsis, if you're going to do one or whatever. But man, did this season feel like here's this and it's gone. And here's this, and here it's gone. And I was waiting for like some of this stuff to maybe come back near the end. And granted, we didn't get much of an end. But, wow, I mean, the corona just really ripped this season to shreds, in my opinion. It was still well, somewhat It's only, it's solid. only one episode short. It was supposed to be ten episodes. And so the cliffhanger ending with Dorothy going to fight the Candlemaker um, was not supposed to be the season finale. We were mm-hmm. supposed to get one more episode, but COVID. So yeah. it's been renewed for a third season and they'll, you know, and that's, that's unfortunately been the plight with a lot of the Berlantiverse because like Supergirl, Batwoman, the flash all ended early mm. um, because of COVID and are, are going to have to pick up what was supposed to be their season finales at the beginning of the new seasons this January. Now they haven't, uh, they haven't said anything about renewing it for a, a third season yet, have they? Oh, yeah, no, it's it's renewed. Okay, good. Okay, that's good. So, Cause... here's what I'll tell you. I, I wanted to start off with Cliff, uh, Robot Man, because, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this season for me is uh, the part of the bad is that, like, he drove the, him and the incessant cursing and the causticness towards Niles that never seemed to go away and was overdone. Um, it's definitely definitely made me not enjoy this season as much. Mm-hmm. Um, the overall arc of this season deals with Dorothy, the ape-faced girl, and that's another element of season two that I'm like, meh. You know, mm-hmm. you know, this Crazy Jane and her, like the explorations of Crazy Jane and her personality this season, her her various personalities, Miranda trying to become the primary, and um getting some backstory as to how Miranda lost her spot as the primary and Jane took over during the, you know, the orgy scene. Mm-hmm. I liked all that. Um, I liked that we're starting to get characters that are brave enough to leave the fucking house. So Larry goes and tries to make amends with his family. Rita tries to get an acting gig. Um, with the irony of the acting gig is that she thinks she's doing the classic R-Town and she's actually doing a reenactment <laughs> of when she attacked the town as the blob. <laughs> that was great. Oopsie. Um, you know, and and I did like that Cliff tried to connect with his daughter and eventually does succeed in that and that he leaves at some point. So like we're not that was I think if there was one thing I didn't like about the first season was everyone was sort of just trapped in the house. Mm-hmm. Um Cyborg goes back and forth and he has this subplot with this uh Army vet, Marine vet, whatever she was, um, armed services vet. Ronnie, uh, I think is her name. Yeah. You know, and they have their thing there for a while. So, so the good about this season is that they are, your primary characters go out and explore the world and themselves, and there's a lot going on there. Let's talk about Dorothy for a second because she's sort of the main girder holding it all together and I don't find her that interesting Okay, and I don't find Niles's story with her to be let me be careful how I put this there, there's a lot of TV shows that we watch where there's a character going I did it to protect you Yeah, and you know it's usually something awful and that's kind of Niles's thing is he does things for what he perceives to be the greater good that usually is harmful to that person, you know, individually. The whole Doom Patrol that he's responsible for was for the greater good, which was basically to, to serve him and Dorothy. And, you know, he hurt all these people in the process. Mm-hmm. It's why, it's, it's why uh, Cliff is so mad at him. Part of the reason. Um, but... I got tired of it after a while. 
Like once Danny the Street became Danny the Brick and Dorothy, you know, was no longer a captive there and his whole goal is like, you know, get her because he, you know, he believes that she is going to be this uh being of enormous power and destruction. I was like Yeah. I was like, I'm kinda over this already. Like Niles is a shitty person. <laughs> and we're we're spending way too much time with him and you know and he's gonna he's trying to hurt this girl who is nice and all but I don't find that interesting either. So what were your thoughts about Dorothy and her whole arc over the season? Well, I mean most of what we get there is a classic father daughter relationship. Where you lock your daughter in a basement? <laughs> I say classic. I was going to throw some caveats in there <laughs> with, uh, you know, the whole fact that your daughter could potentially bring on uh, the destruction of the earth if she matures and grows. Um, one of the things that I think most interesting about Niles and Dorothy is the fact that Niles is, you know, this really overprotective father. Yeah, he locks her in a basement. That That's because he... Number one, it's for her good and the fact that he it's for the world's good as well. Uh, but one of the th- things that you and I can both relate to uh, in those two characters is that, you know, you don't want your kids to grow up. That is a lot of what is happening between their and kind of, you know, it's on the surface, but he doesn't want Dorothy to grow. Granted, it's because she may actually... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bring about the end of the world, but it, most of the series is him treating her like a child and this child wanting to grow older. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I like the Sex Patrol uh, episode so much, other than everything else about it. That's the one where she's like, I don't want to be treated like a child anymore. Yeah. I, I want to see what there's what, what is out there in the world. And I certainly don't want to be a captive anymore. And she has that conversation with uh, Danny the Street. And Danny's like, I don't want to be your captor either. Yeah, and she has, in that episode, she has the ice pick in her hand. And it looks like she's about to go over and just start chopping on Danny the Brick. And luckily, I thought she was going to. I was like, who's going to stop her? Nobody stops her but herself, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that part in the episode where uh, I, I think she phrases, you know, father or Danny has always said, I can't remember which one said it, but nothing good happens after bedtime. And throughout the mm-hmm. episode, you know, it's like two hours to bedtime, one hour to bedtime, bedtime. And then all this crazy stuff starts happening after bedtime, which, you know, as a kid, that's kind of, that's kind of how you probably may view things. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's late, you know, I'm going to, what, what kind of mischief can I get into? Well, the parents always tell me I need to go to bed at, by eight thirty. Uh, what kind of stuff can I get into afterwards? And as parents, that's kind of what we do. We we tell our kids, hey, we need to you need to go to bed. You need to stay in bed. Um, and there's I think that's why I like that episode so much is because there's a lot of truth to the fact that, you know, you shouldn't be doing things after bedtime. But um, even but on top of that, then she finally she's like she gives in to the candle maker and she's like, I'm going to go see what's going on. Oh yeah, and then she looks around. She's like, "This is uncomfortable." Yep. Was, I love the. I see. That's why that episode's the best. Because yeah, because not only do you have the sex men, not only do you have the sex ghosts, not only do you have, re, you know, Flex Mentallo giving Rita a giant, oh my orga- gosh. An, a giant Flex, orgasm that summons Flex, a demon. <laughs> Flex, Flex Mentallo, my favorite character. I don't care about. I mean, if we're gonna say favorite side characters, he's absolutely there. He may even be my favorite character out of this whole series. 
He's awesome. I love Flex yeah. Mentallo. I, I want a Flex Mentallo spinoff. Oh, it's great. Um, but, like, all that stuff is awesome, and, and I could talk about it for an hour. But the thing I liked about that episode really the most is how Dorothy, after being like, I don't want to be a child. I want to be an adult. And she looks around and is like, ugh, this is... This I don't know what to make of any of this. This doesn't seem right. I don't belong here. There is a lot of exploration about the innocence of a child mm-hmm. uh, and the you know crossing that barrier when your innocence is lost. Uh, not only just with Dorothy, but I mean there was with, with Rita where she had that mental block, which again happened in that episode where they explored what happened in that mental block uh, where she sees her mom uh, having sex with the producer. Right. Uh, that's definitely to get, to get her an acting role. Exactly. That's definitely a a loss of innocence there for her as a child. Uh, same thing with Crazy Jane and all her person. Kay, I guess is her name. Um, you know, she clearly lost her innocence at, at a young age with the way her father treated her. Mm-hmm. Um, but even so, but even when Miranda was primary and she was dating the guy and they had the orgy and she was like, I this isn't the party I wanted to throw. Yep. And then she's like, surround, including her boyfriend, she's like surrounded by people that's just like, no, fuck everybody. Literally. <laughs> it's time to party. Yeah. You know, so there's, I think loss of innocence is a big theme for the whole show. Yeah, family, family, there's a lot of family themes, obviously. Each and every single one of these characters uh, explore their, the broken family that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with Vic, I mean, Vic has to go and talk to his father uh, alongside Cliff at one point, and, and Vic and his father do not have, you know, it's not the most rosiest of childhood that Vic had, and, and the way he grew up. Obviously, Cliff with his daughter, uh, we have Larry with his sons, and we also have uh, Dorothy, we have Niles, Crazy Jane, I mean, and Rita with her mom, dealing with her mom. So, yeah, I mean, every single one of these characters have some type of broken family issue that they're trying to address throughout the whole season. Uh, so to kind of get just real quick, get back and give you my answer about uh, Niles and Dorothy. It didn't, it didn't grate on me. I understand we had to use her as a vehicle to bring in the big bad, which the big bad's pretty bad. Uh, Candlemaker is one messed up looking villain uh, that can grant wishes. And clearly there's consequences to those wishes, but uh, and whenever the candle maker is unleashed, especially like when the candle maker showed up in the underground with uh, in Jane's uh, head and was like laying waste to a few of the personalities down there, this thing was scary. It mm-hmm. was scary. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I I understood what Niles was trying to do. Even all these crazy uh, things on top of what Dorothy is uh, and how. You know how she came to be, and all this stuff that's attached to her. Uh, Niles is just trying to keep his little girl, his little girl, and he doesn't want her to grow up. Um, it, it, you know, I don't want my little girl to grow up. I had to go driving, I had to go riding in the passenger side of a car last weekend while she was driving around our little suburb here, and that hits you, man. You're like, this kid is growing up. You don't want that to happen. It's not the end of the world for me. For Niles, it's going to be the end of the world. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Um, just real quick, I want to talk about, and I don't know if you have any opinions on this. I, I did watch a reviewer talking about the episode, and they had mentioned how uh, they didn't like the fact that Dorothy getting her period was like the point in which the candle maker decided to 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 come and make his appearance. You're a grown woman now. Um, did that bother you at all? Was there any issue with that? No, I mean, I think it made sense within the narrative that they were telling. I was the same way. I, I didn't have any issue with it because I didn't think it was like there was a biological change and now she's immediately a woman and now the, the candle maker's going to show up. I think it's all in Dorothy's head. She sees that happen. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the one thing that she wants to do is become an adult she's been a kid for how long what was like she was one I thought, the, I thought the scene was handled well you know yes. you, have the, you have the gas station attendant there is helping her kind of talking her through it and you know i saw something oh it was um the craft legacy where there's a uh, the lead 
like has her period in the middle of class and Alexis and I were kind of talking about that and she's like yeah if you're a girl that's happened to everybody um <laughs> and you know and so the a, a girl having her first period there's you know it shows up in film and television hither and thither and it's handled differently and I thought this was handled I don't know if classy is the right word, but I thought it was handled well. I thought it was yeah. handled tastefully. I think that would be a better way of saying it. Um, and if, you know, if, and, and they kept saying all along that once she matures to womanhood, then, you know, that's when she'll unleash hell on earth. And it's like the idea of the period marking the change to womanhood is not uncommon or unheard of. Yeah, and I think that it's definitely. I mean, she ha- if if that gas station attendant wouldn't have told her, "Hey, you're gonna you're a woman now," you know, "Hey, welcome to the lady club." If mm-hmm. that that gas station attendant wasn't there to affirm that what she was seeing was her entrance into becoming a woman, uh, it, we may not have ever had that. So I, I honestly think that even though she, it was all in her head and as soon as she accepted the fact that she saw this one event which traumatic as it could be I'm sure for you know any little girl that has to endure that um, I'm sure that that also getting the affirmation from a person saying yeah you're a woman now unlocked everything Uh, so I I didn't take it as okay yeah it has to be this literal no I, I took it as it was all in her head and this just kind of opened up the floodgates the first episode is dealing with the fallout from the season finale where they were all, where Danny the Street became Danny the Brick and they were all shrunk except for Larry. Um, and so we open up with Larry trying to restore them to their uh, their former size. And Niles accomplishes this by trading away the, t- the talisman that's keeping him from dying. Um, and I, I, the Kipling or something like that I think is the person who ends up eventually restoring them. My, my point with bringing this up is, and this is what I wanted you to react to, I'm glad they dealt with the finale in one episode. Wow. Well, like, I'm here... glad I, I, they didn't drag this out for more than one episode. They just, you know, they fixed it and they moved on to new stuff in I, one episode. I, I do agree with you there because I remember watching and getting towards the end of that first episode and I'm like, am I going to have to deal with them being small this whole time for like three episodes or something? before we get the solution and it, no that wasn't the case i mean we get one fun little romp where they're you know teeny tiny and then they get embiggened so by the end of this we're we're we're, we're back to normal uh, you know what's funny i jump into season two and other than the big beats from the first season i mean i even came on here and talked about them with you i forgot where we left off I just mm-hmm. I, I, i'm like why is everybody so small <laughs> and then i figured it out but you know i I jumped into the, these episodes, and at the beginning, I was really lost. Um, I would have liked to have a little recap. I don't know if you know that was on the DC app or not, but I I wasn't getting a recap as to what happened in season one. So when we saw eight, the Ape Face Girl, I completely forgot about her. I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I forgot about Dorothy and everything that happened there at the beginning of that first episode. I'm like, ooh, who's this going to be? Whew, man. <laughs> Maybe I just drank that away. I have no idea, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just find Dorothy to be kind of a... Like, on the one hand, I like her innocence. On the other hand, she's too saccharine. You know, like, okay. I don't know. I just find her to be... <sighs> she's been treated like a little girl her whole life. But she's like a porcelain doll. Yeah. You know, like... I wish she had been a little bit more feral, a little bit more dangerous, a little bit more like a child locked in a basement for, you know, the, the, the greater extent of her life. And I understand that, like, Danny the Street was taking care of her, but, you know, and she had some people around her. But I feel like she's this like, right, proper British girl who, if it weren't for the deformities of her face, she there'd be nothing, there'd be nothing weird about her. I'm like, it doesn't seem believable that she'd act that way. Mm-hmm. Especially when she has the ability to conjure up imaginary beings. Like, I would have liked to have seen more of her. Like, they do a little bit of that throughout the season. But I feel like psychologically she'd be doing it a lot more and it'd be a lot more horrifying. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I, I can see where you're coming from there. 
Um, episode two might have my favorite character that we get just a tiny little taste of. And can you guess who that is? Oh, the time dude. <laughs> Dr. Time. T-Y-M-E. Oh, this was great. Like, well, he, I, I'm glad you brought this up because what I was going to say, but what I like about this episode is so much of season one was the Doom Patrol coming together. And now they're kind of a team. They're kind of a family. I kind of want to see the Doom Patrol do Doom Patrol stuff. And yeah. you don't get a lot of that, but you got it in this episode. This was fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, and talk about something where I was like, oh, okay, this guy's going to pop up later on in the episodes. And we get this one episode uh, where Dr. Time, you know, they deal with Dr. Time and they fail. They completely fail what they're supposed to do, which is not unknown for the Doom Patrol, but they completely fail at trying to get this, uh, oh, what was it called? Continuum? Yeah, uh, which like that. that's That's hilarious. Uh, but uh, granted, they killed the guy, and then Rita had a, a conscience about her reverse time in order to bring his brain back into his head. Of course, the, you know, that was uh, Continuum anyway, and it had frozen I think Crazy Jane and Robot Man, but anyway... I, I like it was it was wacky crazy episode Not, that one right there I was like okay now I'm back on the train I'm back on the Doom Patrol train because I you don't know what you're going to get episode to episode at all um, then we kind of lead into the Red Jack stuff where Larry Trainer's taken as a prisoner by Red Jack what do you think of Red Jack man you know I was in the beginning of the series um my this was uh, one of the hurricane days where my kids were home, mm-hmm. so I watched it on my phone uh, a lot of it, and um, I watched it in bed, and I was also recovering from camping. Oh yeah, <laughs> I bet that bed felt nice. <laughs> yeah, so um, I <laughs> I was kind of like in and out of you know like there's details of the show that I missed because like I would like doze off here or there so like I know that Red Jack is in the show and I know that he's like torturing Larry Trainer, but I don't remember much else yeah I mean again this was another character I was like okay he's kind of scary he's he's got some history with Niles and he he's this torturing psychopath um and he ends up dying, I think, at the end of the episode, or at least it looks like he dies. And he's turning people into butterflies. He's a scary-looking dude with the knives coming out of his head. Uh, but, uh, you know, this was, again, I other than just going to rescue Larry, there wasn't much else. It was almost like they had these little tiny adventures along the way. Uh, and this was one of those. You know, they go and visit Dr. Time. They fail there. Uh, they go and meet up with Red Jack and they kill him uh, and then that's the end of episode three pretty much um, you know don't really have much else to say he was just he was a crazy looking character and he looked pretty cool uh, so if they're staying true to the comic that's probably I, I didn't... hey guys it is Ryan I'm not sure if you know this about me but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can I like to work but I like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Read whatever Red Jack was in. Was he in the comics at all that you read? Yeah, uh, he's in Calling from the Wreckage. Was he in just like uh, an issue or two? Two issues. Two issues. Did they kill him off just like in this one? Uh, they defeat him. I don't remember if they kill him or not. Okay. All right. They, well, they, they, I that... know they defeat him and they save Lodestone. Okay. So that kind of holds true to the comic. Yeah. So. Um, we talked about Sex Patrol already. I don't, yep. I, I, I don't want to go over the same details, but the Sexmen were hilarious. <laughs> with um, great muscles. With great muscles comes great responsibility. <laughs> Uh, Rita and Flex Mentallo are are just adorable together. Yeah. Um, let me take this time since we've already talked about Sex Patrol and you know it's like the best episode of television in the history of television. Um, <laughs> Eat that wire. <laughs> yeah, take that. Um, 
Vic's subplot where he goes to deal he goes to a PTSD group to deal with his trauma and he meets this girl and they start dating and it turns out like she she's she initially doesn't want to be serious with him but you know he pesters her and she gives in and then she starts talking about her trauma and where she got her scars from and that she she had star lab and underground like tech built into her uh to do black ops missions and then she fucked up and she rebelled or something and they took it all out of her and you know um it's killing her slowly what did you think of Vic's subplot with this uh, girl? I mean, you could tell that they're getting ready to set something up for next season. Clearly, and towards the end of this season, she becomes a lot more important than I thought she was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, she's R- Ronnie is going to be. I, I don't know what character she's going to end up being. I doubt I'll even recognize her if she is a character from the comics, but uh, you know, it was okay. I mean, we got to add some humanity to Cyborg. He's out there, he's trying to deal with himself, and you, know, you got this guy who's walking around with half metal face and a full metal body. Uh, could turn his arm into a gun, and he's got to go and try and act human. Uh, I thought him compared to Cliff was an interesting and insightful comparison. And when Cliff goes to uh, Vic's father to say, can you give me the kind of technology you gave to Vic? And he's like, no. Yeah. Vic, you know, Vic was a stand-up, moral, and true fellow. You're a scumbag. <laughs> I'm not going to give you superpowers being a scumbag for you uh-huh. to abuse them and not use them right. And I, you know, and I, and so the side by side contrast of Robot Man and Cyborg, kind of why I'm glad he's in the show. I know, like, Doom Patrol purists are like, what the fuck? Cyborg's not in the Doom Patrol. But I think the Robot Man Cyborg comparisons make for good television. I can see that for sure. When you have some, both of them are kind of afflicted in the same ways but they're both mm-hmm. <laughs> drastically different personalities uh so yeah it's it was you had to give cyborg something to do here as well uh so mm-hmm. inter- you know bringing in a love interest like ronnie that's okay you know he's trying to deal with his i think it also with, humanized him exactly you know, because i think the first season he was like i'm cyborg of the justice league and that was kind of his whole character mm-hmm. and this one he seems like a guy with yeah you know, yes, he's got some technology, cyborg technology, no pun intended, um, embedded into him. But because he's like, he, they didn't treat him like a superhero this season as such. They treated him like a guy who's been through trauma and is trying to just live his life and not be, you know, we talk about um, on a variety of shows superheroes can't just be superheroes all the time. They have to be real people. And real people have real people problems and real people good things and real people bad things. And I think they did a really good job with making Vic a real person this season. It's one of the bigger successes, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. You see him trying to deal with what's going on. He, there's mention in a few episodes that he, when Vic is sleeping, he, go, he has night terrors. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's mentally, he can't handle what was done to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even when he sleeps, well, night terrors are a symptom of PTSD. Yeah. I was going to say, and even when he sleeps, he, he is trying to work that out. Uh, his mind is trying to cope with it in some way. So it, he just continues to have this stress upon stress and here, you know, you could, you could portray him in two ways. They, the Justice League uh, hero or the Teen Titans hero that shows up in the Doom Patrol and is you know all straight and nothing but business, uh, but he's not portrayed that way. He's portrayed as a human. He's portrayed as flawed. Uh, he's portrayed as somebody who's trying to work through a lot of stuff that has happened to him in the past. Um, was this the episode? I don't think this was. I think Finger... Patrol. I don't know which episode that is. I didn't have the. I got the episodes listed here, but I don't have the names by them. Finger um, Patrol is the episode where 
Jane is um, taken out of the primary role and Baby Doll takes over and Baby Doll and Dorothy form a friendship which goes right into the shitter. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, the only reason I brought up Finger Patrol is because I think that's where we get the great... Uh, was it a Starsky and Hutch? Or what, uh, what vignette or intro was Cliff... Where Cliff was hanging out in the car and it was... Uh, Stone and oh my goodness, I have it listed down here. Stone and Steel and Stone. Remember that mm-hmm. at all? Uh, yeah, sure. Where he's going at Cyborg and Robot Man. Gr- one of the greatest promotions I've ever seen uh, for a non-existent TV show, uh, Steel and Stone. But anyway, yes, the the friendship between Dorothy and Baby Doll. Baby Doll's taken over. You know, Crazy Jane or Jane is taking a step back from being primary and letting others try to run the ship because they're all upset with her. And somebody makes a case for baby Jane to go up and be primary for a little bit. Uh, And just like you said, she becomes great friends with Dorothy. And then that confrontation after Dorothy has enough of her stuff and they're down in the basement between her, I, I, she ends up, Jane ends up killing that fur beast. I can't remember what it's called. One of her, one of Dorothy's imaginary friends, and I remember watching that intent, intently. I thought, man, it's going to get good, and it did get pretty good. And she brings in the candle maker, and she, well, she makes a wish, and that's of course when uh, the candle maker ends up in the underground. But uh, but yeah, you know, it was it was good. Uh, you know, it was a, that was a good episode. I don't uh, what what's the next one called? Any idea? Space Patrol. Space Patrol. This is the ones with the the pioneers of the Uncharted who are playing grab ass with one another. Turns out <laughs> they died. <laughs> and oh, were, you rascal! And were possessed um, by negative spirits. I think. Uh, let me read what happened here. Uh, Larry learns the... from one of the pioneers, Valentina Moscow Vostik. Also possesses a negative spirit, and two companions have long passed away while their corpses are possessed. Yeah, yeah, and she's brought them back home so they could die, yeah. uh, and all they—they're just pretty much shadows of what they were before, where they're running around doing the commonplace things that they were doing while they were alive. Uh, but if you tried to have a conversation with them, it was like talking to a brick wall, or they'd be sitting there telling you stuff, mm-hmm. almost like somebody who has Alzheimer's or something. Um, the the they big thing t- about this episode is that Dorothy, out of guilt steals the spaceship and flies to space and just is going to go stay on the moon where she can't hurt anybody and uh, Niles and Robot Man and this is where Niles is f- finally gives Robot Man the business and it's one of the few times I'm like I'm like with Niles yeah you know yeah. like enough already like the, and this is what I was saying before at the top of the show if you hate me I'm okay with that hate me and move on with your life but don't badger me to death. Yeah. You know, I, 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 if I hear it once, I'm good with it. I know you hate me, and that's something I can live with. But I don't need, you know, like I, <laughs> it's funny. I was telling my wife this story today about at work where um, we had a new nurse, you know, who just got done training. And so she's doing her uh, booking assessment with this uh, elderly man who uh, had been arrested and he had been making a scene the entire time he was there. We knew he was going to be trouble. Oh boy. So um, she calls him over and I guess she starts doing the assessments and she's doing the mental health assessment, which is, you know, the nurses do them unless there's an issue, in which case I do them. Um, This first part, there's two parts to it. And uh, the nurse practitioner comes over to me and she's like I need you to go save the RN from this guy he's talking about the war (laughs) oh boy and so I walk over there and I'm like listen you we're going to do this assessment there's 20 questions here I'm going to ask you a question you're going to say yes or no and if I want more than that I'll ask you and you're going to give it to me in 10 words or less (laughs) I've been there and he just sort of looks at me blinks twice and goes yes sir and we got through it, and there was no further issue. Uh, um, but I, I bring that up because, you know, the, you, you get to a point where it's like, 
you have to tell somebody enough. We're moving on from this. I'm moving on from this. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, if you want to continue feeling the way you do that, that's your right, but take it elsewhere. Yeah. I'm done. And that's what Niles basically says to Cliff. Like, I get it. You fucking hate me. Then get, you know, leave the manor or help. Yep. And, you know, and Cliff kind of comes to this realization of, well, I guess I better shit or get off the pot here. Turn the page because I've sort of used up all of the angst towards Niles that there is. There's there's none left. Yeah, he's... Cliff is so obstinate about it. Like, he just drills it into the ground, and he will let everybody know that he hates Niles for what he did to him. And he could give a shit less about Dorothy. He even tells him... I don't know if he... He may tell Niles that. I know he definitely tells... Well, part of the problem is is that, you know, Baby Doll, who is Crazy Jane, is lying in, like, you know, like a pile of candle wax... Mm-hmm. In the basement, and Cliff's like, "We got to save her," and like, no, the she's fine. Another personality will will come back, and she'll get up, and she'll be fine. Yeah, she's breathing. And, let's go. Let's go save my daughter. He was in space. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and and like that's the conflict here. Is Cliff's like, Jane is the most important thing in my life, and Niles like, I don't give a shit what you think is important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he gets up to the moon, and lo and behold, he walks out there. He's the only one that can go out on the moon and uh, potentially save Dorothy. Uh, and him and Dorothy, Cliff and Dorothy, kind of bond, uh, which is, you know, I that's great. You know, all this hate that he has for Niles, and he's finally able to put stuff aside for, for Dorothy in order to bring her back in. And he brings her back... <laughs> and then Niles shuts the airlock on Cliff and then opens it up and it sends Cliff out into space. You can know, I all this you, time. Can I tell you the, I had like an existential terror reaction to that? Because like, oh, oh God, he's going to be stuck in space. I, I, well, I, I was, I, seriously, I was like, what is Niles doing here? I was like, he just helped him bring his daughter back. You're going to do this to him? And I, that's how they end the episode. I didn't know if he was going back down to Earth or not. I was like, he's dead. He's just going to float out there. And then how is <laughs> how is Cliff going to forgive him now? He just walked that bridge finally across to the other side where Niles is at. And then Niles does this to him. But, of course, he comes crashing back down to Earth, I think, in the next episode, which was hilarious. Yeah, I had some physics problems with this. One, how did he not freeze in the vacuum of space? Two... How did he not burn up on re-entry into Earth? I cannot believe you're actually quoting physics for Doom Patrol. A guy who can flex his pecs and make pop cupcakes pop onto a tray. I, you, but sir, I'm are willing to, with physics of space. I am willing to accept Flex Mentalo has magic pa- flexing powers. <laughs> I'm not willing to accept that things don't freeze in the vacuum of space or burn up upon re-entry. I don't know what to tell you. I do not know what to tell you there. It stretches credulity. Sure, sure. Get get Winfrey on the phone. I look. I know that's like a Winfrey thing to be like, you know, <laughs> in a in, in a show like this, which is so esoteric and and full of so much magical, you know, mumbo jumbo gumbo. But I feel like that's just a simple space thing. That that's space physics. Sure. Like, how do you get that wrong? Sure. You know, or what's the explanation about his robot? Bo- like, his robot body Dude, is is such that, like, you know, he he's, like, cramping up, basically, and he accidentally, like, cuts an entire guy's, like, hand off or arm oh, or whatever man. it was. <laughs> oh, man. But he can survive in the vacuum of space and, upon, and, and, and can fall to, through the gravity of Earth. And not a scratch on him. Not an argument that I am willing to get into. Okay. It, I, I will, it, I will, it bothered me. I, I will not engage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> uh, um, oh, shout out to you, guy. Shout out to you, guy. Um, like one person maybe got that joke. <laughs> maybe. 
All right, so that was uh, Space Patrol. Um, Niles takes off with... Niles throws Robot Man into the vacuum of space, and the next episode picks up with him crashing on the side of the road, and... um, He's got to walk home, and... Things are not working right for Cliff as he gets. Mm. It looks like he's like behind a manufacturing facility and his legs just completely stop. And this guy shows up. He's like, hey, can I use your Cliff's like, can I use your phone? He's like, you got to do it. You got to do a fucking cameo for me. <laughs> <laughs> Which was hilarious. Um, meanwhile, Calder travels with Dorothy to the northern Yukon territory to look for Dorothy's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is the episode with the scants, isn't it? The the purple yeah, things. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Geez. I Man, vaguely oh. remember what happened here. Do you remember? Oh well, the scants are. There's this crate that shows up, um, and it starts. It has this like purple haze that kind of comes out, and it says all over the crate, "Do not open, do not open." Well, it turns out <clears throat> this. They open it up, and this purple mist goes into their nose and it turns out it's filled with scants and scants are these little wee tiny little bugs that can get into you and they make any bad idea that you have seem like a good idea so for the rest of the episode most of the episode is them trying to figure out (laughs) then deal with this and it turns out i think crazy jane is immune to it uh because of her personalities and she's the one that's kind of able to rescue them from the scant queen. They go inside a painting. I mean, I can't even describe this episode without sounding silly. But, yeah, they, they shrink down. They face the scants. Uh, and they kill the queen. I think one of the big things... Uh, Vic has Ronnie over there. And Ronnie's part of this mission as well. She ends up taking some of this stuff that is being drained from people's heads, which I think is... The Uma Jelly. Yeah, Uma Jelly, that's right. And it, it, because you're making these bad decisions, like the scants feed off of this idiocy or whatever it's called, and the Uma Jelly is being drained from these from your brain. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say, mm-hmm. man. It's just, it's a, again, it's one of those episodes where it's almost like one mission, here's your bad guy, deal with the bad guy. Uh you come out of there with some Uma, Ronnie comes out of there with some Uma jelly. Uh, and yeah, th- I think we also start to see where Jane's or Kay's personalities, these stations that these personalities are in are getting shut down. Uh, and Jane's like, wait a second, you know, s- 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 the ones that got killed, their stations got shut down. But then Scarlet Harlot, which is another one of her personalities, who's ne- who wasn't involved in the Candlemaker killing, uh, her station gets shut down. So she kind of goes on at this point to try and find out what exactly is happening to these other personalities and why these stations are getting shut down. And Cliff, again, finally gets in touch with his daughter, uh, and she agrees to help him uh, with. Uh, well, they, they, they're they're kind of they're kind of bonding finally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, the, that's kind the, of the issue or the so the episode. The next episode, Dad Patrol, uh, Jane and Larry go to Arkansas, so they go on a, uh, an adventure together. Cliff um, is bonding with his daughter, and he makes her breakfast. Um, uh, um, Miranda pushes Jane into the well. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a big that's a big thing. My goodness. Um, Vic finds out from the local news. That Ronnie committed a murder as revenge for past experiments, and they end mm-hmm. up fighting. Um, Kipling arrives at the fair and tells Calder that Dorothy needs to be taken away, but the candlemaker's powers begin to manifest, and then we get to uh, the season oh, fi- the, ser- the season finale. This is the flashback with Miranda uh, and John, where John throws the orgy and forces you know, Miranda's personality gets sub- uh, subsum- sub- subsumed. And crazy, and Jane comes out, mm-hmm. um, and we kind of go from there. Uh, so as the part fair. Of, as, as part of fighting with the Candlemaker, Vic fights his imaginary friend. Rita fights <laughs> her imaginary friend, or dances with her. Um, oh, Cliff, Cliff, Cliff's imaginary friend is Jesus. <laughs> he has a come to Jesus moment. I've been waiting to use that since Sunday. He has a come to Jesus moment when he faces his imaginary friend and. 
him and Jesus have this epic fight, which is hilarious. Um, and it all, uh, everyone gets defeated. It, the, n- yeah. none, the, this is go- this goes all horribly wrong. Um, and then Dorothy goes to confront the Candlemaker. She jumps into the fire, and that's the end of the that's the end of the season. Yeah, we lot of open-ended stuff here clearly just like mark said we had a 10th episode that never aired uh we have ronnie who at one point was vic was trying to uh catch her she escapes rita who had started to kind of embrace this superhero mentality now as the beekeeper uh and she's able to use kind of get control of some of her powers she was with Vic, but wasn't able to stop Ronnie. So Ronnie's off. Uh, we've got the mystery of Miranda, which at, by the end of episode, the final episode, James is down in the well and she's going through all this stuff. And she wakes up and she sees in the well Miranda's dead body. So the Miranda that's traipsing around in the underground is not Miranda. Uh, so there's a big mystery as to who that is. Uh, of course, with the candle maker, we don't know how that battle's going to go down. Uh, and robot man, Cliff, he is blowed up. Jesus blowed him up. Uh, he's covered in wax. So everybody, yeah, everybody's, everybody else is covered in wax. We don't know how things are going to end. I mean, we have no idea. Uh, I'm glad it's being, I'm glad it said it was renewed for a third season. I was like, man, if they're just kind of, kind of leave it open, they'll have to do a movie to resolve this or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's that's at least comforting to know. Um, so what do you think of this? I'm going to give you my thoughts on this season overall. I'm going to let you have the last word, and then we'll get out of here, okay? Okay, sounds good. I like the season. I didn't like it as much as the first season. I thought the first season had a lot to say. I thought it was really smartly written. I, You know, we talked about, like, meta-commentary and all of that. Oh, and yeah. that, you know, and so 15 episodes of season one was chock full of really like high highly written uh literature television that i think stretched the boundaries of what you can do with a superhero show certainly but really what you can do with television in general so much of it you know is formulaic and and written by committee doom patrol felt really fresh and new and interesting and weird mm-hmm. season two has the weirdness but I don't think it has as much to say yeah I don't I don't feel like thematically it it rubbed against or crossed any kind of boundaries the way season one does like I felt like this was just a continuation of the story and there were some interesting things happening and there's a lot of high drama and it's well written don't get me wrong but that it, it it's not as heady or full of gravitas the way the first season was. So, um, and, and again, Dorothy is sort of your linchpin character. I just didn't find all that interesting. And so, like, I, you know, like, thankfully there was other stuff for me to, you know, to hook me. Screwing but, ghosts. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Sex demons. <laughs> his, what was his name oh, I think I had it written down here like uh, the the sex demon that showed up was the shadowy Mr. Evans yeah. <laughs> like, they have names for these things um, okay. so, that, uh, so that's it like, like it's an esoteric show by nature uh, and it, it, it definitely continued in that vein but I don't feel like I don't feel like it spoke to any higher themes or ideas. I feel like it was like, we just kept telling this story. Yeah. I wondered if at the time they did season one, like they chose the best thing that they could put out there for doom patrol because they didn't know if they were going to get a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> because I honestly feel like if you're going to compare season one and season two, I'm echoing you all the way. Season two does not compare at all to season one because there was so much more you could enjoy it was weird it was new it was fresh and you had a fantastic villain so going on this going into season two if anybody out there is wondering hey should i watch this and you're at the end of this podcast um i'm going to tell you 
if you've watched season one, <clears throat> you're not going to get that same feeling with season two. Uh, there's still all the weirdness, just like Mark said. It's it's esoteric. It's got some fun stuff inside of the season. I wasn't as graded. I wasn't as uh, jaded. That's probably a better word about the arc between Niles and Dorothy. But I could understand there's probably so much more out there you could use uh, for story in in this for this series. Uh, however, you know it's a continuation of what we got from season one to season two, and we're left with a big cliffhanger. Uh, so I enjoyed what I saw. I binged it, I think, within two days. Uh, you can do that with nine episodes really easy if you've got a day off. <laughs> uh, so it's not like this is something where I regretted watching it in any way. I would definitely tell you that if you're into if you're into Doom Patrol season one, season two is it's going to tickle that Doom Patrol fancy for you. So I had a good time watching it. Uh, I hate the fact that we didn't get a good resolution. I think that we, 10 episodes, I think we could have had 13 and brought back some more important stuff that happened and, and maybe expanded a few things. Uh, in my opinion, I think we could have went to 13 episodes and, and done pretty well. But, uh, but yeah, you know, we'll see where it takes us, man. I had a good time. Yep, I enjoyed watching it. Uh, it's just not as good as the first season. Agreed. Bas basically. All right, um, tomorrow, myself and Pat Mullen will continue our look at the history of heavyweight championship boxing. We're up to my favorite chapter. We're up to my favorite boxer, Iron Mike, Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Free Tyson free, baby. Um, we did, uh, we've mentioned it a couple times on the show now. Myself and Chris Sheehan reviewed the uh, beginning of the Grant Morrison run on Doom Patrol called Crawling from the Wreckage. We did the entire, what's incorporated in the entire trade, which is issues 19 through 25. Uh, so it's crawling from the wreckage. Uh, it's their two-part confrontation with Red Jack, and then an entire issue dedicated to Dorothy. So um, go ahead and listen to that. He's really passionate about Doom Patrol, so it's fun to listen to Chris talk about it. Um, it was one of the easier shows you know I've ever had to do, because I just was like, Chris, Doom Patrol. All right, and he like shoved me out of the way, and it, was, it just took over. Um, Turn him loose. Yep. <laughs> Next week, uh, Christian month goes on in the month of November. Uh, the next book he picked is Marvel. Um, so another one of these weird, you know, bizarre kind of uh, comic book history comic books. Uh, speaking of weird and bizarre, we'll also be reviewing Survivor Series. Ha! Huh? And then uh, <laughs> Jesse Starcher is back on the Metal Hammer of Doom. We're going to be looking at uh, classic rockers ACDC and their new album Power Up, baby. It's an ACDC album, I can tell you that much. Um, all right. You got anything going uh, that you haven't uh, done with me or talked about with me? Hey, I can tell you, keep an eye open there. Tomorrow, Unspoken Issues will be dropping an episode. Chris Armstrong, I think, did an episode with one of two people. I believe it was Evan Bevins. Uh, and they're going to be airing a Monkey Man and O'Brien episode. So... Yeah, keep an eye out for that. It should drop there tomorrow. Unspoken issues, comic book related stuff. So other than that, myself though, no, I haven't done really a whole lot. So at some point I'm I'll probably drop uh the upcoming episodes for syndicated source material, which hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'll I'll just leave that as a teaser and then when I get it officially set for the date, I'll come back with a full description. Yeah, Jesse's old source material show were like three hours long. <laughs> Yeah, after edit though, let me tell you, sir, I've done I've done my duty, making sure that these things are put together nice and tight, and uh, that's the whole point. There was a lot of episodes that never aired on the W2M network. I think up to like 120. Uh, so the plan is to kind of drop about 25 of those, uh, 26 actually, 26 biweekly episodes. That's right. Every other week you'll get an old episode of source material right there in your old. Uh, in your in your podcast catcher, and that's about a year's worth of content, Mark. Yeah, it's a year before I came along and ruined your show. <laughs> you were supposed to be there, episode twenty four or twenty five, I think, and you weren't able to make it because you uh, you had some serious stuff going on at that point. Yeah, my daughter had pneumonia. Um, is the future imperfect show part of the part of this uh, series that you're releasing? No, it is not. I think it ends with 
Oh, I can't even remember. Oh, yeah, we're getting into... Actually, I just edited Secret Wars number one, 2015. I think your first appearance was actually in one of the uh, episodes of, like, ep- issue three or four of... of, Sor- of Sor- Let's try that again. Issues three or four of the Secret Wars from 2015. But, now, uh, Future Imperfect, I think, happened way after that. All right. Then I'm probably not going to be on any of these shows. <laughs> You're um, not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, had fun talking Doom Patrol. I've got to get my jaw a rest now. For Jesse Starcher, I'm Mark Radledge. This has been TV Party Tonight. Be well, be safe, and behave.